And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has sown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as, the fa- as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Finally, we will uh, reading Romans eleven thirty three through thirty six. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments, and how inscrutable! His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Uh, For a summary of scripture this morning from Lord's Day 47. We're going to be going to question 122. Uh, please, uh, it's in there in your bulletin. Please read with me in the answer portion. What does the first petition mean? Hallowed be thy name means help us to truly know you, to honor, glorify, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them. Your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. And it means help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. As a job site lead at my previous place of work, I was not only in charge of execution of the job that my team and I were assigned to complete, but also in charge of the conduct of the craftsmen, other craftsmen on the job site. Um, I really don't have to give you any kind of imaginatory language of uh, the kind of things apprentices can come up with when they're together in a small group. Um, But in a world of manual labor, you've got to choose your battles. Um, And while I usually turn a deaf ear to the standard blue collar adverbs and adjectives, when not in excess, the line was always drawn at the use of the Lord's name in vain. If you ask an apprentice what I said most on the job site most days, it would be the phrase, not on my job site, because, but because, uh, because, not because it was just, uh, while it's a violation of the second commandment, um, also, why is it Jesus' fault that you cut the trend too short? But to be more serious, while we cannot and should not be the morality police of our workplaces, I believe that to dishonor the name of the Lord crosses a line. And I've found that when I, when I draw this line with coworkers who trust me, it actually usually leads to a fruitful conversation. Names are important, 
And our names very much mean something beyond just to identify us as someone, as someone according to a specific assortment of letters and syllables. Names tell us about a person, where they come from, who they belong to, to their, fa- their family background, their relations. And many times, if you know them well, it tells you about their past. The biblical authors did not take names lightly. Notice the large array of genealogies in Scripture. But above all, our Lord's covenantal name is, is important, and it signifies something. It signifies, actually, many things. It signifies that he is God. It signifies that he, it signifies his work and his attributes. It signifies his authority and command. It signifies that he is the creator and sustainer and judge of all of creation. It's not something to be taken lightly, but to be honored and praised. My first point is to bring honor. I think this this question lays out a very helpful who God is and who we are and what that means for us. And so when we think about this, when we think about this question, the first thing we need to talk about is why, what's up with hallow? We don't use the term uh, very often. It's not very familiar. It's more familiar to say holy. I mean, holy be your name sounds better to a modern hero instead of hallow. I mean, who says hallow anymore anyway? Great, but it's a great question to think. Why do we still use hallow? Here's the difference between these words that is usually lost on us, but not to our forefathers of the faith. The author of our catechism makes this point clear. The term holy is a description, while to hallow is an action. Our words, our phrases are important. When we speak of God, we should be careful. We should be cautious. We should be precise. We should seek to, be, uh, to make sure that what we are saying is accurate. When we speak of holy and hallow, while to some it may seem an insignificant detail, difference, to us as believers, it's important. Our words are important. The way we speak about others, the way we speak to others, our words mean something. They're not just passing breaths in the wind. So now we have, well, we have our distinction. Holy is a description. Hallow is an action. A more practical mind might ask, great. So if we say holy, we're kind of cutting out the middleman. Um, and in some ways, that's correct. But it's actually not correct. We, uh, when we say, may your name be holy, that would be like saying, may this water be wet. We, uh, uh, we are not, uh, not asserting that the Lord's name is holy. We are instead recognizing it, its present truth, and hallowing it, sanctifying it, or honoring it. It is already holy. We are honoring it. This, the distinction here is important in our prayer to back to the Lord. Honor belongs to those, uh, belongs to, uh, to those who it belongs to. When we speak of honor, we're dealing with something that is to be received. The name of the Lord is to be honored because of his attributes, because of exactly who he is. Our gospel reading is key to this point. For he has done, he has done mighty things. His mercy is for all who fear him. And as our catechism states, doing this, uh, doing this, honoring for honoring for his works, all this, all things shine through through his works. We honor him because of what he has done. He deserves honor. 
Hallowing not because he has earned it from us, but because of his very being. Usually the more we get to know someone, the more, uh, the more their flaws become apparent. Um, and yes, like in marriage, we may grow in love for them in spite of seeing all the, the issues. But uh, it's still, we still see their faults. They still become more apparent as we get to know someone longer and longer. Not with the Lord. The more we know him, the more holy his works, the more honorable his name, the more gracious we see, we understand that he is. The more we as humans, uh, we can only respond with these words, hallowed be thy name. The more we know him, the more worthy of honor we understand him to be. My second point, to bring glory this in terms of who we are. I think it's not only right to, in our study of God, to not lose sight of who we are before this holy God. The beginning of knowledge is to know who God is and who we are. Not, not to really take us back to a different confession of faith, but in speaking of hallowing the name of the Lord, we can't forget that it is also to bring glory to God is the purpose of why we were created. Our catechism points out that this word, to glorify the Lord for all his works. It's part of the honor, glory, glorify, and praise. In light of all of his honor and his holiness of the Lord, there is only one proper uh, reaction of humanity. It's to glorify the Lord. It's to bring honor and glory to him, to worship him. We are right to stand before a holy and holy other creator God and to be like the prophet Isaiah, overwhelmed by his, our lowly state and his holy state, to see that in comparison, we are tiny specks, sinful in nature and unworthy. Yet, in his grace and providence, he sent, uh, sent this uh, so that to take, he sent his son to take our place so that in his righteousness we are clothed here is where we deserve nothing this gift of grace is what is on is what is honorable about him his very nature deserves glory his very nature brings honor to his name is he is holy through his work this work and the, ult- the ultimate end of man to glorify God in Christ for Christ because of Christ. And not only are, as man is man created for, uh, in the image of God, purpose to bring him glory and honor, but all creation is also purpose to do just that. To shine forth his works, to bring glory to his name. What does it mean to shine forth from his works? Is not creation his work? Doesn't it shine forth the beauty of what he has done, what he has made, what he has worked out in the cosmos? We look around and though we are in a broken creation, we see the beauty of what he has made and what he originally called good. This isn't this isn't that also what we see in the world around us. The catechism states all his works. We see in his works almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy and truth. So that the final end of creation 
is not just that it exists on its own, there for, uh, for its own sake, but it actually is meant to glorify the Lord, to glorify our covenantal Lord God. All things have a purpose to bring, to bring final and ultimate glory to the one creator and covenantal God who made them. My final point, to bring praise. And this is, it takes us to our psalm reading of 145, 1 through 7. It is of the utmost importance that they shall speak of your, the, your might, of your uh, deeds, and I will declare your greatness. We have been given a gracious and glorious purpose to praise God. This is the second part of the catechism question here. The first is that we may know you, and the second is that we may direct all our living. The Christian life is not just one of words, but it's also of action. We are called to praise the Lord, to honor and glorify him with our words and with our actions. Our catechism is clear that we need help to direct all of our living. I think it's especially important in this point that we say, that we point out the think, say, and do. Our entire being. This encompasses like Psalm 1 where it speaks, not sit, in the, not sit stand, and, uh, stand in the way. It encompasses everything that we do. It's a wholeness, a wholeness to our being, a wholeness towards holiness. Our entire being is meant to be directed towards the praise and the glorification and honor of the Lord in everything There is no portion of your life or my life that can be courted off to ourselves that is not meant to be focused on the Lord, not even in your most secret moments. All things, all parts of your life are meant to be towards him and him alone. Our lives are never just marked by what we claim to believe either. To speak is only one part of our lives uh, before the Lord. What is it that you think and do? Do your thoughts glorify the Lord? That's a terrifying question. Praise the Lord that Christ has died also for our sinful thoughts and our sinful deeds that we've done behind closed doors. We also must see that our work praises the Lord. We must have a better theology of our work. It's not meaningless, but points to who uh, we praise. Your work, whether it seems important or not, Tell something about who you believe and what you believe. When we do our work, though it may seem meaningless, you flip fries at McDonald's, I don't know if anybody does here, but if you, even that can be done to the honor and glory of the Lord, not because it's in some way brings magnification to the Lord by tossing fries, but because of the way that we do it. Because of the, who we do it towards. Who do we work for? Who do you work for? Do you ultimately just work for your boss or for your supervisor or for the owner of your company? Or do we work for the Lord ultimately? And that in our lives, our work speaks of who we love, who we praise and who we honor. Is the Lord's name being honored in our work ethic and in the way that we treat others around us? But beyond that, in speaking of others who are around us, our praise doesn't end with ourselves. We praise so that they may praise. Through us, the Lord will bring honor, glory, and praise to himself 
through shining forth in our lives, not only by shining forth in our lives, but also by converting and saving those around us. The final words are, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us. Good, that those would not look on us and blaspheme Christ because of, uh, because of our actions. Truly, we seek to honor his name because his name is the greatest to be praised. Let us not be those who, uh, who soil the name of the na- name of our triune God. Yet notice the other dimension. What are the consequences of honoring the Lord's name before our neighbors? We are, in, we are not individual islands set adrift in the sea of society where it's up to you what you do on your island, but everybody else is kind of separate. We all just live our lives in different, in different spheres. Instead, our actions, our words, and our thoughts impact others. How you speak about others, how you do your job, how you speak about the Lord when you're with your coworkers or your friends. That means something. Hallowing, hallowed be thy name isn't just stuck in the prayer, isn't it just stuck in the formal language, but it's in the daily lives of believers. Do we hallow the Lord's name before our neighbors in order that they may see him as holy and righteous and just too? The Lord doesn't work through unseen meat. He works through his people to bring about salvation to those who are lost. You and I are instruments of the Lord's work on earth. No matter how small or insignificant you may feel you are, he will use you to glorify himself. Do we seek to stand in this in that direction? Do we speak as the last sermon, stand in that stream of water and do not seek to divert it, but instead to send it on, to see it go forward? Will our work, will our words cause our neighbors to praise the Lord? Or do they cause them to soil his name because of our unfaithful witness? Our thoughts, words, and deeds are all meant to be directed in one direction. May that be the goal of our lives. The name of our covenantal Lord God identifies who he is and what he has done. Because we are finite humans, we will never come to the end of of understanding all he is and all that he has done. As believers, we are given the beautiful, wonderful opportunity to catch a glimpse of his almighty power. Let us accept this with joyful hearts, giving to him and him alone honor and glory and praise. The reoccurring phrase in the catechism is help us. We can't do this all on our own strength. We can't live the Christian life on our own two feet, just uh, pulling up ourselves by our bootstraps and just working hard enough. We need Christ. We are not capable of sinful humans to live consistently before the throne of God. We need a good Savior. We need the gift of the Holy Spirit to be our guide. This is Christ. This is the Lord we serve. We hallow his name in his strength, not our own. In the way that we sing psalms, we sing his words back to him. This prayer, the Lord's Prayer, we have been taught by the same Lord that we pray it to. Using his words back to him in, our, in the, his strength. Because we as humans need help. We are in desperate need of a glorious and wonderful Savior to strengthen us, to redeem us, and to bring us to the completion of all things.
May our lot, may we live our lives glorifying the name of our covenantal Lord, leaning on his strength and power to redeem us, not our own. Let us pray. Our gracious God, you build your church on the foundation of the doctrine of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And so we pray that you would bless our congregation to grow in their teaching. Assist us in meditating with joy in your mighty acts. Enlighten our minds more and more with the lights of the everlasting gospel. Kindle in our hearts a love of your truth. Nourish us with the full counsel of the word of God. Enable us to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And defend us from the sins of heresy and schism. And as we have heard the true doctrine proclaimed to us, by the great blessing, by your great blessing, may it be preserved among us, propagated through us, by our lips and lives, to the glory of one of the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand together as we sing the Lord's Prayer, stanzas five through seven.